Hey everyone, welcome to Forging the Path. This is a podcast that's all about helping men become the men that God created them to be. My name is Adam, and I'm super excited today because my guest is my favorite person in the whole world, Claire Zastro. What? What? <laughs> so excited to be here with you today. It's really fun. I've listened to every podcast so far. And it's been awesome. And so I can't wait for our conversation today. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Of course. So I'm we really thought proud of you. This, thank you. <laughs> we thought this would be really fun to let everyone hear a little bit more about us, our, our life, our marriage, our family, and all of that stuff. Get some feminine perspective on this podcast. Wow. So it helps everyone. And, um, and at some point I'll probably grab some of your friends, babe, too. Yeah. Like we got to get, we got to get some of your girlfriends to share some of their thoughts. They're all pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got a good group of uh, people in our lives. So today, first question, Claire, share some of your story. Let the people know who you are and what God has done in your life. Mm. That's awesome. Um, I am excited to share I am like, I could have the hour long version or the two minute version. So I'm going to do the two minute version today. Two minute testimony. (laughs) Two minute testimony. (laughs) That's great. Um, It's wonderful in life when you love Jesus and you know him, even before you really grasp that, you look back at things that happen in your life and you realize every single thing was pointing me toward him, whether I knew it or not. So when I share my story, that has a little bit of a backdrop in that. So if you're not there yet, um, every moment you're walking through points to what he's trying to do in your life and how he's going to redeem you. And that is just the gospel, like the whole thing as well. All of scripture points to Jesus and everything that he did and is still doing. It's beautiful. So my life, um, I have an amazing family, grew up um, with a fantastic family. I went to, um, yeah, just growing up, going to church and knowing, knowing um, about. Yeah, kind of like me, like knowing there's right and wrong. Yeah. Knowing there's a God. Yeah. But maybe not going much deeper than that, at, at least when you're young. Sure. Yeah. Like, and I'm so thankful. And, but in high school, I end up, um, is just, you know, doing my own thing, making my own choices, which were not the best choices all the time. And I ended up getting pregnant in high school and my family rallied around me. And the beautiful story of that, this is where this is hard to have a two minute testimony, right? Just <laughs> keep going. It's awesome. It doesn't need to be a two minute. Oh Come my on. goodness. The, my family rallied around me and the beautiful redemptive nature of the father in that whole story. Um, I had Austin and we have an open adoption and it's amazing. And my family, my immediate family, the support that came as well as Austin's mom and dad and everything from their family. It's incredible. So if you want the longer version of that story, please reach out to Adam. We'd be happy to share more of what that looks like. But that was through that I just was wrecked with shame and guilt um, of the choices that I made and not knowing how to move forward with that and feeling like I would forever have this hanging over my head. And it wasn't until a Bible study in my dorm my freshman year when I heard someone's story and he was sharing about the grace of God and how God's grace forgave him of some of the sins that he went through. And I had this moment sitting in the back of this crowded basement room of like the doggy (laughs) head tilt that I like to tell it. Like I was just sharing this story with some friends of mine and like, wait a second. Like if God's grace is big enough to cover this sin that I'm hearing him talk about, why would I think any different for myself? And it was a moment of like, whoa. This is real and it means something for my life right now. And I remember like, I got to tell someone. And so talking with the the girl, Casey, in our Bible 
in our Bible study in our dorm and praying with her. And I just immediately felt, just sharing a bit of my story, immediately felt God just lift off this weight off of my shoulders of guilt and shame. Now there was for sure walking that out and the sanctification process over years trying to really understand that grace but I'm so thankful I will remember that evening it was a night so it was dark I'll remember it forever and just the feeling of the love of the father and his forgiveness and his grace over things that I thought were too big Mm. and too much for him to forgive and um I was telling my friends to just the beautiful nature. I'm so thankful that I, at that moment, he imprinted on my heart just this depth of understanding of whose I was, that I was his daughter, loved deeply, not because of anything else, just simply because I was his. And that deep understanding from the get-go, I feel like has been transformative and has been an anchor for my heart and my soul in moments that are difficult and challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much changed your life. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus does that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. He's in the business of changing lives. For sure. And he's really good at it yeah and now we just get to i mean walk at walk that out um and it's it's so fun to get to know him more um but that's how i that's the the moment and what led up to to him really capturing my heart from all all the good that i was brought up in and walked through yeah yeah that's so i love that and right around that time in your life is when we met Totally. As well. Your yeah. first year of college, yeah. I was one year ahead of you. We were in the same dorm. Right. So I got to I got to see a little bit of this transformation as a friend. Um and that was a that w- those are some wild years for us because I think I can't even count the number of lives I saw get mm. changed in my college experience. Right. Including my own and yours. But we we became fast friends, not only with each other, but probably with two or three or four dozen other young people who were very excited and enthusiastic about following Jesus now. Uh, they, They either grew up in the faith or they just had come to faith in Christ. And we were all just enamored with this amazing grace. And we talk about it all the time. We'd have impromptu Bible studies. We pray, we'd get out the guitars. Half of us were learning guitar. <laughs> so we Me, could just I was sing. learning percussion. So yeah. I would play the djembe. It was so fun. Yeah. You had two, you had Nick and Nick <laughs> totally. who, who would teach they you. They were awesome right drummers and, and percussionists. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah. We would, we would, we would sing songs to Jesus until the campus police said, "Hey, hey, guys, we love what you're doing here, but you you gotta keep it down. It's two a.m. Yep. You know, we're getting it's some noise. We're getting some noise complaints. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what happens when, you know, you're uh, running from the Lord, and then He captures you, and and now you're running to Him. Mm-hmm. So, we became friends. Yeah. We were friends for about, once we first met, we were friends for about a year. And then we started dating because I could not <laughs> deny how beautiful you were. I couldn't stop wanting to be your boyfriend. So uh, we just, we made that happen at some point. That's a fun story too. I have the best pickup line ever. Oh my goodness. Are you going to share it? you guys out there. Are you going to have, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if... We, now that I mentioned it, I have to, I think. Well, you could leave him hanging. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the story from my version. <laughs> I have been crushing on Claire for uh, probably over six months. And I'm coming inside our dorm with a bunch of guys after playing basketball. And we're all coming in sweaty. And she's working the front desk of our dorm. I am studiously working the front desk. Probably doing, my homework. doing your homework and... Taking care of people if they need things. I mean, this is what I'm doing. Our dorm had, I think at that time, 400 people in this dorm uh, in La Crosse. And so I'm coming in with some guys and I I see you through the window and I have this idea 
this this moment of inspiration, this brilliance. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm convinced. I'm sure it was from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, okay, guys, just play along with me. And and they knew they knew I liked you. And uh, some of them were part of our Bible study. Some of them wanted nothing to do with God. But we were all having a great time playing ball and walking in. And they were like, okay, we got it, Zastro. We'll we'll play along with you. So I come in there. Um, just holding my leg and acting like I just had the worst injury ever playing basketball with these guys. And they're all going along like, holy crap, holy crap. They're probably saying things that we shouldn't say into the microphone. And and they're like, oh man, Zastro, that does not look good. You might have to go to the ER. And I'm like, Claire, I need, I need gauze. I need your biggest bandages. I need the first aid kit now, now. And some guys are like, half carrying me I'm half hobbling on one leg and what what do you want to add I just to this? remember you literally stumbling into like <laughs> rolling in to the front desk area like our lobby area you literally I think you like flailed yourself rolling oh, I in. sold it it was it was big yeah and you were concerned because very concerned half a dozen of these guys were like holy crap should, should we drive you just to the hospital right now and I'm like, no, no, just get the band-aids. Claire, get the band-aids. First aid now, now. And you, you're flustered. Panicking, yeah. looking in all the drawers for the first aid kit, thinking, oh my goodness, what is going on? I can't find a What's band-aid. Wrong? What's wrong? Why are what you wrong? in such what pain? Going What's on? going on? And that's when I leaned casually over the counter of the front desk and looked you in the eye and said, well, I scraped my knee when I fell for you. If you could see my face <laughs> at that moment, I was like, no way. Best line ever. But and secretly, all the guys were like, what? They had no idea I was going to drop that line. Secretly, I really liked him too, and I thought it was awesome. But I was like irritated that you would put on a big show. But also, it was awesome. It worked. A couple months later, we were dating. <laughs> yes, it did. Okay, that's the reason. Is that the reason we started dating? Uh, I mean, no, because we had some serious talks. It's, it's like, All right, we need to pray about this. I like you. You like me. But let's make sure that God is in this because I don't want to just date. Right. You know, we, we wanted to date intentionally um, and see if it would go to marriage. So... Yeah, all it fun aside, awesome. we we prayed. I remember fasting yes. for several days yeah. about you. Like, Lord, should I? Should I not? I don't want to just make a decision based on my feelings. Mm-hmm. I know she's really hot, but still. <laughs> and yeah, and and then we we finally had some peace. Like, no, this is good. I think the Lord is mm-hmm. the Lord's in this. Let's go. What I love about that season of our friendship and dating is the foundation of friendship that we had first. Mm -hmm. And I saw you um, seeking the Lord and I saw you treating other girls in our dorms with honor and respect. Mm -hmm. And I got to know you as a person. Um, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But that was... That was that. That was a season of life that really was foundational for us because mm-hmm. we we came to understand that discipleship and evangelism happen in the context of spiritual family. You 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 are living life regularly with other people who are all together pursuing Jesus and letting our light shine. Uh, no one was an island. Uh, there were t- there was tons tons of praying together, mm-hmm. worshiping the Lord together, studying the Bible together, confessing our sins to each other, and there was also tons of uh, witnessing to other people, praying for other people, inviting them to Bible studies or gatherings, or just sharing the gospel with them. Like, mm-hmm. hey, where are you at with God? Uh, can I can I share my story with you? And I'd love to tell you a couple of things. So that was that was fun. All wrapped in just a ton of joy and a ton of fun. Yeah. I remember that vividly of just surrounding ourselves with people who love the Lord deeply, but are so filled with joy and laughter. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that was formative for our own beginnings. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then we got married, still Mm -hmm. in college. 
We did. Yeah, I had just finished student teaching, I believe. But you had a couple years left. and I still had my student teaching. Yep. We started having kids. You totally. graduated college pregnant with Isabella. I did. <laughs> Locked my graduation stage yeah. with her in my belly. Yeah, and we just kind of... We had more adventures that I think we'll save for other podcasts. We we lived communally with some people in lacrosse and um, had a lot of ups and downs with that season of life. And then your parents played a huge role in redeeming some stuff right. in our life. Yeah. Um, and then we came to the Milwaukee area. Uh, that time we had Cadence. Mm. And then I, I was still teaching for a little bit. And then I got into ministry and we had third kid charlie and then uh we had a really difficult exit from a church that we were a part of at that time that we'll save for another podcast we have a, so many some stories. cool stories about th- those instances those right. um seasons in life that yeah. we'll share another time <laughs> but long story short well long story long <laughs> that's funny we've been married 17 and a half years yeah we have three kids all girls, 16, girls. 14, and 11. That's right. Uh, we're both in real estate yep. in the Milwaukee area. You homeschool our girls. I do. On top of everything else that you're doing. It's, it's crazy. And, uh, and we're part of a really vibrant, beautiful church family. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where we're at now. That, mm-hmm. that, I think that covers, you know. A good introduction to let people get to know us. Totally. So Claire. Yeah. After 17 years, three kids, and a lot of ups and downs, some some seasons of challenge and disappointment, why are we still so attracted to each other? We're we're in our 40s now. (laughs) (laughs) Now we've been married. We've known each other though for 20 years. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little over. Married for 17. So what do you think, babe? Why are we still so attracted to each other? Oh, man. Intentionally making time for it. Well, first of all, you're really cute. I mean, it's not hard to be attracted to you. But more so than that, I would say is, I mean, we make time for it. You're my best friend. We we intentionally schedule dates together. We intentionally put time on our calendars to invest in one another and the the just the joy that that brings because um that that just fuels being able to do the rest of it. Like you're my best friend. We're going to be together for life. So mm-hmm. makes it pretty easy. Mhm. I love that. You got really practical there. So that's good. Let's keep it practical. What else we make time for it, meaning, yeah, we have date nights. What would you say? I don't think we're very super strict about this. We we have some friends who are like once a week date night, once a month date night. Right. That's awesome. We're a little more free flow, but what what else would you add to, yeah, we do make time for it. I think once or twice a month we do have some one-on-one date nights. What else keeps the romance alive between the two of us? What advice would you give to married couples right now to, to keep that romance going? Man, well, we didn't really prep or talk about this a ton. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Totally. I am. So one thing you'll know about me is like, I would like to be prepared um, and talk a little bit more about these things. Maybe <laughs> we talked about other questions. That's hilarious. This is our life though. Like You are Adam, not the spontaneous one. No, but no. Adam is. And I'm so grateful for that because <laughs> you push me out of my comfort zone and make me grow so much in areas where I'm not strong, which is Let's say like that's one of the reasons that we are so good together as well. See, I think I just needed to like think about it a little bit and talk this out. <laughs> this is good. Verbally process. Totally. Good job. Good job. Oh. So strengths and weaknesses, keep going. If there were video right now, you would have just seen my eyeballs look like a deer in headlights, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. This is why I love you. Um I mean, your strengths are so different than mine, and it's it's beautiful. And for me to see that as a positive and not a, 
a negative or something that's irritating and to grow together and to allow you to speak into my life and help me grow. I mean, that's one thing. Like, I, I love that. We're constantly growing together. Yeah. How often do you think we say I love you to each other? So many times every day. Yeah. It's a have to. Yeah. It's a choice of I love you. Like it's not always a butterfly's feelings, but like most of the time it is. (laughs) I really love you a lot. Yeah. But it's a choice of I choose you regardless of any circumstance, regardless of what we're walking through. If we just had a rough conversation, if we had something epic to celebrate, if life is like on the top of a mountain or one of those moments where we are in a valley, we are in it together and we're committed to one another, one another and we choose each other mm-hmm. forever. Yep. Yeah. I think we were blessed in our premarital counseling and mentoring by some couples that really stress that with with what you just said, how it's a choice, not just a feeling, but Mm -hmm. it certainly comes with lots of feelings Absolutely, uh, many times, but even when it doesn't, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. And they, these amazing people in our lacrosse years, pre-marriage counseling really made that clear to us Mm -hmm. before we got to the wedding day. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you look at each other and honestly, you you don't really like each other, but you choose to honor and prefer one another. That's what you're signing up for. Right. And and they made that abundantly like looked us in the eye and said, do you understand? Like, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we understand. I think we kind of did. We kind of did, but then you you never really, yeah, you have to walk it out. (laughs) Yes. But at least it was presented to us early on right. in dating and in the engagement season right. by people who loved us enough to say, yeah, you're young and in love right now, but storms will come and storms will go and you need to make the choice every day, even when your feelings aren't there. And I think, I think it means something even more when you make that choice and it and it doesn't feel easy. Right. When you make like when you're annoyed with me and you make the choice to love me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That that's more worshipful. Mm-hmm. That's more honoring. I think God is really pleased with that like that's love. That's sacrifice. That right. is agape. Right. You know? You do that really well and mm-hmm. I think we were just discipled well in that season of life. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I love that. I'm going to just go back. You, you also said in making time for it, I think we're very disciplined with our calendars Yeah. and we, we map out the whole year with these, these date nights in, in either like December or January when we're mapping out the next year. Okay. At least once a month, let's get it on the calendar now for the rest of the year. These are date nights and we've honestly gotten creative. Okay. We're going to do a date morning. Saturday brunch and we'll find a sitter and we'll, we'll just do that because that's just what works better with our schedule or when the kids are younger and needier. That's what right. we do. Uh, daddy daughter dates, mommy daughter quality time. Absolutely. We get that in the calendar first yep. because awesome people who mentor us even now, Dale and Vicky being one of them yes. and several others have stressed that to us. You need yep. to know your highest priorities and yep. put those in the calendar first. Those are first. And we're in a season of life and so many probably are of just, if it's not in the calendar, it's so easy <laughs> to forget or just not prioritize it or not do it. Right. So we have to be, that's back to that intentionality with things. Like we have to be very intentional with it um, and carve the time out for things that are our highest priorities. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's our relationship with the Lord, with each other and our family. Yep. I know that for, for for a guy, from the husband's point of view, I made a decision a long time ago, I think within the first couple months of our marriage, that I I was going to have a reputation 
long into my old age and, and even after I died, like I wanted this to be mentioned in my eulogy that Adam Zaster was a guy who couldn't keep his hands off his wife. <laughs> and that I, I just, hey, if, if number one, hey, that guy loved Jesus. Number two, he couldn't keep his hands off his wife. <laughs> and number three, I decided early, early in our marriage, we didn't even have kids yet, but my, my future children, like I am going to spend quality time with them. Absolutely. And if those were the top three and the only three things people said about me, I'd be okay with that. Mm. So I, I narrowed my vision to those three things. Hey, that guy, I, this is who I want to be, God, when I go to the grave. When I, when I finally go to heaven, I want people to say these three things. And so I, I try to structure my life that way. When I look at my calendar, when I look at you know, my, uh, my good days and my bad days, I still want those three to be said. Hey, that guy loves Jesus. He can't keep his hands off his wife. And he really loves spending time with his kids. I like, I mean, the commitment to just still flirt with each other. Dude, it's just fun. Yeah. And right now in the season of life where our kids are, it makes them uncomfortable and it's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love <laughs> embarrassing our teenage daughters. It's so great. By making out in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. so fun. But honestly, that helps me remember something I wanted to stress and articulate. When we are having conversations with one another... And making the choice and choosing to love one another, even in the difficult times, I feel like we've been really open and forthright with our kids and they, they've been around, they've been watching us have those conversations. They've been watching us, um, talk deeply about things that we maybe disagree on or coming, trying to find our agreement and come to together in unity on things. And they're right there with us. And so they get to see what it looks like to have a healthy dialogue and a possible disagreement or how you are able to like fight with someone but not raise your voice yeah. and have a conversation, right? Like, yeah. and at the same time, seeing us flirt with each other and make out in the kitchen and have moments of just joy like that too. They get both sides, which yeah. I think is really healthy. We don't hide that from them. No. No, we just had, was it two days ago or three days ago? We we had a disagreement in the dining room. Yeah. And you, you were in tears and I was almost in tears and we <laughs> were having to hash it out for about yep. an hour. Yeah. And our, our kids kind of came in one at a time as they're passing by to get some snacks or, you know, going about their day. Right. And they just, we, we have no interest in saying, hey, leave us alone. Mom and dad need to talk. Right. It was kind of like, no, we want, this is discipleship. We right. want them to see how a husband and a wife talk it out right. and, then, and then pray and at the end. And that's something that you do beautifully every time you just say, we're going to pray. And I remember our middle daughter sitting right next to us and just kind of watching as you finished up our conversation with prayer and blessing and asking the Lord to continue to guide us and meet with us and just be there yeah. and help us. It was beautiful and awesome. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Well, I was being an idiot no. for one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to repent and, uh, yeah, but it, but that's, that's another lesson, pre-marriage counseling that was drilled into me. Hey, Adam, you know, men should be the leaders of their household. But guess what? You know what? A lot of guys don't really like to lead in repentance. Mm -hmm. And if you're really going to lead your wife, you need to be willing to lead in repentance. Be the first to confess and repent when sin is present in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Own it. Own whatever you can own. Even if from your perspective, it's like, well, she should own 90 or whatever percent of it. I'm only responsible for 10. Own your 10 first yeah. and lead your family in that area as well. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, 21, 22, not knowing any better. But that lesson did stick with me. And it, and it sticks with me every time I don't want to repent, but know that that's what it takes to have a healthy marriage. I'm so thankful for that. Well, 
<laughs> you married a guy who has to do it quite a bit. So <laughs> I'm glad you're thankful for it. I am. Yeah. Those are, those are really good practical tips just to review. You, you got to make time for romance. You have to honor one another's strengths and weaknesses and, you know, romance, that's, that's a choice. It's not just a feeling. Feelings will be there sometimes, but sometimes they won't. The choice should always remain. And we'll give more practical tips another time on a different episode. Let's move on to this next question. That sounds great. What advice would you give to wives and moms out there who are in the thick of it? I remember, I remember you home with three babies. I'm going to school or to teach, or I'm going to the church to, you know, do ministry there. And you're there with three babies. They were all under five, Mm -hmm. (laughs) four, four, two, and newborn Mm -hmm. at one point. What advice would you give to moms who are in that season of life? That is the toughest job in the world, but also probably the most important job in the world. Yeah, man, what a wild adventure those years were and now it seems like uh different challenges but (laughs) when they're young it really is like as a mom you're needed every moment of every day and um it's a lot so um what advice would I give fix your eyes on Jesus the perspective that that gives in the moments that are super difficult um, it and pray a lot and talk to the Lord a lot. Yeah. I In those moments when they were little and in the thick of it, that is what keeps my heart centered and grounded. And even now in moments that are really full and challenging like if I lose sight and if I take my eyes off of Jesus if I'm not in the word that's another thing too if I'm not reading scripture and filling my heart with his truth it's totally difficult to just you kind of you're like you just try to get through rather than thriving in those times of yeah, knowing and fixing your hot, your eyes and your heart on Jesus. And I would also say, um, first and foremost, right? Like pointing it to him and being in the word and reading it and knowing it. But then finding a group of other women to live life with is a game changer. And those women, I love it. Like they're all different ages and backgrounds and stages of life. Because you can shoot, I've got women in my life who I can shoot a text to, to say, hey, I need you to pray for me today. I'm believing lies. Like I am in the middle of it. And will you just pray? And they do. And the power of prayer is in like amazing. You feel it. You just Mm -hmm. know. And the, the enemy wants you to keep quiet and keep it in the dark. But when you reach out to ladies who know, you know, They love the Lord and they're walking life with you. And some of them in the same, the same stage of life. Like, I love that knowing, yep, we're all, we're in the thick of it together. Like, uh, you just had Nate on the podcast, but like with family together, like we're driving kids everywhere. No one's driving yet. Like, how can we help you? Like, what can we do practically? Um, but, but those moments as well of like having girlfriends who, are surrounding you some farther ahead in the journey some not quite as far ahead in like marriage or kid raising any of that but you're living life together and the common thread is that they all love Jesus and so they listen but they don't let me sit in the mess of the the in the thick of it the being maybe overwhelmed with life and with kids and everything going on work all the stuff that you're walking through they listen well but then the beautiful thing about it is that they point me back to Jesus Mm -hmm. they point me to scripture so the very first thing I said fix your eyes on Jesus if I'm having a moment where I'm like I'm floundering I'm struggling I'm in the thick of it I'm not quite sure what to do these women who thank you Lord that they're in my life will listen and then they'll remind me 
where to set my heart and where to fix my gaze. Yeah. Yeah. You've got an awesome group of sisters Wow, <laughs> around you. Totally. And I do with brothers as well. Yes. It's, it's like without that community, that yep. spiritual family, I don't know where we'd be. No. And making priority for like, I know when Adam has on the calendar time with his guys, that is priority. And I'm with the girls. I'm running. I'm doing the things that need to be done for our family so that he can have that time because I know that he's going to be encouraged and strengthened by those guys. And I would say the same for you. Mm -hmm. When I've got something on the calendar with the girls or with the ladies, you just pick up everything. Like, it, the, the beauty of that of like, hey, I had one even just last night hanging out with my friends and my girls of awesome conversations, everything for his glory. Things we talk about, like what's God teaching you? Yeah. What do you love about your husband? So many things. And I remember asking you before I leave, what can I help prepare for dinner? You're like, nothing. I got it. You just enjoy dominoes, dominoes. <laughs> with the, It's dad night. We're going to have dominoes and watch a movie. But you know, like, right, we know yeah. for one another, yeah. without those times, um, it would be far more difficult to to just fix our eyes on the Lord without a band of brothers and sisters surrounding us to encourage and walk life together. Yeah, for sure. We've, we've done a good job of um, honoring each other in those places. And I think that was hard for you at first when, when our kids were really young and you were still a very new mom. I think it was hard for you to get out of the house without the kids with some, some girlfriends, some sisters, just to, to unwind, to, to talk, to have a a glass of wine or whatever and pray with these sisters because you had that mommy guilt yeah. Like, oh, I can't, you know, Adam's, Adam's been at work all day. He's going to come home and then he's going to be with the kids. And just so I can what, just go have fun with my friends. Like I, and you, you had to get over that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've seen other young moms have to kind of get over that too. Any, any advice or tips in mm-hmm. that regard? How did, how did you get over that? Or did you just, did you just grit your teeth and do it? What, yeah. what changed? How did, how did that become easier for you? Hmm. I think as with with anything that you do, you experience it, anything worth it, anything rich and good, having to, like, the first few times of being able to hang out with the ladies and being so incredibly encouraged and coming back refreshed and ready to serve and love my family so well, that makes me excited. And it's not like, I mean, we're not hanging out every week, you know, like, but the times that I do have on the calendar with other women who love the Lord and just are there to live life and laugh and talk about the Lord and pray together, those are huge. But I, I you're right, like, it's challenging. But knowing that I love Jesus more, I love my family, like, I'm, I'm able to love them better, I feel like, when I come back refreshed. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes me excited to come back and be like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. And one of the things that you've been very open about the, ever since the day we got married is that our house isn't just going to be for us. That our yeah. house was was yes, there are times when we just need to say, hey, no guests, just, you know, just family tonight. We're going to rest, Sabbath, take a breath. We're not going to host anything or anyone. But there's a lot of times where you were eager with me, which which I knew was a stretch for you at first, to open up our home Mm -hmm. and have friends over often or then it became you know oh we're gonna co-own a home with another family and oh we're gonna invite people off the street to live and disciple uh them it kind of a jesus revolution moment of life and even more recently we've had 
guys who are going through a hard time and we've said, hey, we've got an extra room. Come live with us for a few months and Mm -hmm. get you back on your feet. But as you do, here's how you got to contribute to the household. And we host Bible studies, other prayer and worship gatherings, meals, things like that. We had uh, accidentally started a house church for about five years in our house. And you've always been open to that. And I know that that's hard to do. I'm not saying everybody needs to do it like how we did it, but I will say the habit of hospitality mm-hmm. has strengthened our marriage, our parenting, and our, our walk with other brothers and sisters in the faith and our ability to share Christ with other people who don't yet know him. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know you've you've read some books that I haven't even read. The, mm-hmm. I think the the gospel comes with a house key. Yeah, there's several other family on mission. Right. There's several other great little books that talk about this practice of hospitality. Right. But you you just have it in your DNA. Can you just mm-hmm. talk what that means to you? What that looks like for you? I remember you scrubbing the floor one day, probably mm-hmm. five or six years ago. And I'm like, babe, I'll do that. Like you've been, you know, preparing our house all day for the company that's going to come tonight. We're going to have 30 people in our house. And you smiled and said, no, it's cool. I'm just washing the floor and I'm praying for the feet that are going to walk on it. Mm. And I, I couldn't like, I, I married a saint. I couldn't Stop. like, what gets you to that place? Babe? I probably had just like lost my patience with the kids two <laughs> minutes before that. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. I'm going to just prepare and set my heart, fix my eyes back on the Lord. But like you made I the choice, made the choice, you made the choice, right? I, so please don't like get the wrong idea. This is not, you know, saintly work here <laughs> by any means. We're messy. We're messy saints. <laughs> totally <so>. messy. <laughs> but the beautiful thing, I think it goes back to even before we were married and right in our early days too, like we knew that our marriage, and you've talked about this already on the podcast, what's the purpose of marriage and family? Like, our marriage was not necessarily for us. It's not about you. Right. It's not for one another. It's a beautiful picture to a world that is watching and craving what it means to have a marriage that points to the Lord and is a depiction of the kingdom and I, I just, I think that knowing that with our marriage and with the way that we parent and love and raise our kids, that it was not even an option for us to not open our home and invite people in. I also just really love hosting and I love having people over and I love caring for them. Like there's um, different types of people and I am for sure a nurturer, like to the core. <laughs> yeah, you are. And so how can I invite someone in and make sure they feel comfortable, they feel a part of something greater and bigger, and whether that means one family at a time, one person at a time living with us for a point in their life because they just need it, whether it's a big gathering of 45 people at our house and it's messy and nuts, but it's awesome because there's kids running around and people praying for each other, like all of that. But you're right. Like it's a, it's a habit. It's a choice for hospitality. And it's knowing when you do open up your home, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy, but allowing people in and sharing a meal together, sharing time in your space creates an environment that is just like, it's beautiful. Like, Breaking bread over the table, sharing stories, asking how can I pray for you, like hearing one another's life when we're over the table or I have someone in the kitchen with me. This is something I had to get used to. When we first started hosting, I would do all the things. I would make all the food, have it all ready, prepare everything. Like I had to. Yeah. And then thank you, Lord, that I realized throughout the process, like having someone come into my home, our home, and come in the kitchen and hand them a cutting board and a knife and say, can you chop this lettuce for the tacos we're going to be eating tonight? Tacos! Which is usually our go-to for everybody else. It's the best. (laughs) 
when you're hosting people. <laughs> so good. I mean, we have other things too, but that's one of our favorites because everybody can make it how they want it. It's awesome. Um, and they're just delicious. Anyway, like having someone come in your kitchen and say like, hey, my house is yours. Like that's the closet the broom is in. Can you help sweep up when we're done? Like, yeah. here's where the silverware is. Here's where the bowls are. Like, the dog is going nuts. Can you take him outside? Grab here's what the you leash. Need. <laughs> and what that does is yeah. it makes people feel like they're a part of it. They're not just a guest in your home. Like, they are part of something yeah. bigger and greater. It's been awesome. Yep. And it, I mean, it's way fun for me too. That was a game changer for us several years ago because yep. we, we knew we wanted people in our home regularly. We wanted our house to be a weapon against the kingdom of darkness, against lies of isolation that so many people feel on a daily basis. We wanted our family to be a place where people could come and feel like they're a part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we got to get over that idea of we'll do everything and set up all the hosting and then do all the cleanup afterward. And it's this whole like day of work when you do that. I remember you finally getting to the point where like, yeah, you come on over. I'm folding laundry. You can help. Totally. Uh, you know, I don't have dinner ready, but yeah. you can help with that too. Yeah. Like just come be a part of our family for a few hours because you need some community. You need some prayer. You need a shot in the arm of encouragement. Yeah. And this is, we'll, we'll give it to you. Right. But we, we got over that, uh, f- that stupid, like, feeling of like, I, I got to be perfect. Right. I got to have everything put together before I host someone yeah. in my house. Yeah. So that, as you can tell, we, we have a habit of hospitality that an addiction that we just love because I think here's what I want to stress. We have seen people come to know Jesus mm-hmm. on our living room floor. We've seen people freed from addictions in our dining room. We've seen God do incredibly awesome things, uh, both in the sanctuary, the large group gathering, but also in the home, in the context of family. And we've just decided that's a priority. That's what family was created for by God. And we're, we're going to do that. It's not just only going to be husband, wife, and our kids. That's right. the highest priority. That's what will protect more than anything. Yep. That's the inner circle, so to speak. But if that's healthy, if we can get that to be healthy, then we want to invite other people in. Yeah. One of the beautiful things, I love hearing these stories, and I am, I catch glimpses of them and hear more stories, more than I even realize and understand. Two of them recently which has been so fun of people that we've got to help in business in like real estate stuff in buying and selling and all of that but the stories that come out through that process of I remember the times in your living room where we experienced the Lord we experienced Jesus worshiping like praying in your living room being in your kitchen together, like those were moments that I will never forget. And from these uh, just young people that I didn't even realize how important it was at the time and still is. But I love hearing how God is at work, even in the moments where we don't realize. And now we hear and we get to look back on like, that is so beautiful and so good and getting to connect again and be in continued relationship with these people and watch their families grow and watch them go on in life following Jesus. What an honor. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. So cool. Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. a couple nights ago. Oh, yeah. They, that was really awesome to hear them share yeah. that. Because sometimes we, d- we, we didn't even know what... <clears throat> Some of those gatherings meant to some people until they came back years later and said, hey, I was I was 19, I was 20, I didn't know right. hardly anything. I was, I was still addicted to you know, A, B, C, D, and you guys took me in 
uh, every Sunday night or, you know, or you guys took me in for four months, you know, and I got to live with you and, and get healed and healthy and everything. Um, yeah, that's been strangely, strangely, that has been something that has kept our marriage vibrant because we were constantly reminded that it's, it isn't about us. Right. That like, I need to have my marriage and my parenting be really healthy so that I can give these other people a, a, a safe place to come and experience family because the last thing this world needs is another dysfunctional family. Yeah. And, and we, we just have resolved in our hearts and minds and in our day to day that we're, we're going to open our heart and we're going to open our door, yeah. our front door. Well, actually our mudroom door is really where the family comes <laughs> in. We're going to open our heart and our home right. to people. And that has actually like given us a reason, an extra reason, like we needed it for our marriage to be vibrant and, and life-giving. That's true. Because it's not about us anymore. Hmm. Okay, let's let's do this. Um, we, should, we should maybe land the plane soon. You got it. <sighs> a, you had a quote. You had a really cool quote. Claire, one thing I love mm. about you is that you make time either early in the morning or late at night before you fall asleep to, to get some reading in, usually the Bible but sometimes a really good book. And you had a quote you wanted to share with, with everyone on this episode. I did. It made me think about marriage and what it means to be together in a, in a really cool, true sense. So this particular quote, I was just reading thinking, yes, that's really articulated well. It says, there's nothing stupid about needing other people. We're made to be in relationship. And it's a, in this particular book, it's a, a fic, Christian fiction. And he's talking about, I, I, I need you. Not because I'm half a man without you, but because what you bring to my life enriches me, helps me become the person that I was created to be. And that's not weakness. It's strength. It's love and it's connectedness. Yeah. What book is that from? I really appreciate it. It's called The Memory Book. Cool. I appreciated that a lot. And it's just a fiction book. Um, but the thought of like there is nothing weak or stupid or bad about needing one another. We are created for relationship. And you being the head of our house and the leader brings such freedom and and goodness to our lives. Um and I, I, it's the same, like I'd be half a, a person without you, mm. like needing one another to be everything that God has created us to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ties in really nicely too with some of the stuff we've been saying about hospitality and mm-hmm. community and finding a sisterhood, finding a brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing stupid about needing other people. Right. And one of the goals, the missions of this podcast is to help men battle against that, that lie of isolation. Yeah. Um, and I think women feel it too though, right? Absolutely. It, it might manifest itself differently Looks between different. the two, right. uh, you know, but yeah, the, this idea of, I need to figure this out on my own. Um, for guys, sometimes it's just, oh, I need to man up. I need to, I need to handle this. Um, for women, it might might sound a little differently, but it's essentially the same thing that says something along the lines of you should not reach out to other people right now. Right. <laughs> Send that text, reach out, do it. It's so worth it. And it's so much better. We're made for relationship, right? Mm-hmm. As a husband and wife, but also with brothers and sisters. Yeah. And we know a thing or two about church hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to say that loud and clear. We'll we'll share some of that story a different time, but we we've had some some tough experiences for real. I I specifically have had some really a, a really difficult exit um, from a church that I was on staff with. Uh, it wasn't right. It wasn't just. It was it was totally unfair. It was it was evil. It was it was super unhealthy. And we had every excuse, every quote unquote reason to say, forget that. We're never doing the church thing again. We're never doing the community thing again. Small group, Bible study, whatever you want to call it, however you want to package it. 
done. And, and we had every, you know, logical worldly reason to say, that's it, we're out. But we knew that would be far more dangerous. If you think about it in terms of spiritual warfare, you think about the fact that we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who do lions usually go after? The lonely, isolated gazelle, the one that's separated from the rest of the herd. And so we, we didn't want to be separated. We took a season, I think, to brush ourselves off, but we never said no indefinitely to community, to church, to brotherhood and sisterhood, because we knew it would probably be the end of us. Right. And we talk to um, often about having this like commitment to one another, not only as husband and wife, but as um, brothers and sisters and family and believers to go through the difficult times together and it strengthens one it, it strengthens our love for the Lord and our connectedness with one another. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. It would be easier to probably run away and not deal with some things that are hard and difficult and frustrating. But when you lean in and you have those conversations and you deal with the things that are difficult and challenging and don't run away, um, God's blessings through that we've seen time and time again far outweigh the negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's bring this thing on home. Babe. Yeah. What does it mean to be a strong, godly woman? Mm. And well, I'll let you answer that first and then one, one little follow up question. One question at a time, okay? Please, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, what does it mean to be a strong, godly woman? Um, Man, I kind of circle all the way back to the beginning. Like that, that impressed moment when I really figured out the forgiveness and grace of the Lord and the imprint on me of whose I was. I am his daughter. I am deeply loved regardless of anything that I've done, any mistake or good that I have done in my life. Nothing changes whose I am and the identity that I have in Jesus and in Christ is first and foremost. And that is what helps me be rooted and like just tethered to who he says I am. And then it frees me from any other, like as women, just the comparing and the the judging, mm. the trying to be ahead, trying to keep up, any of that. Like, I don't need to do that because I know whose I am. My identity is not wrapped in anything that I do, anything that I have. And there's days where that's more challenging than others, but I'm so grateful for that truth um and to have that as a as a rock Mm. and I would say um humility and boldness go hand in hand as Mm. well just strength and like godliness to be humble I was looking up the definition of meekness as well um kind of funny um biblical definition of meekness yeah yeah (laughs) what do you got oh It is strength under control. It's not easily provoked. It is submitted to God. And then this beautiful strength and patience together. Mm -hmm. Meekness is not weakness. And there's something really powerful and strong about having a meekness of heart. Um, Seeking after the Lord. Being in the word daily. Knowing it. Praying cranking that worship music in moments that are difficult and you need a little extra help for sure. Oh, there's a tip for a lot of moms out there right now. Crank that worship music. How often would you blast some praise and worship around the house and just dance with the girls? Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes they're trying to do their schoolwork and they're like, mom, turn it down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really do think knowing your identity is key. 
And um, with that comes with also, so when you know your own identity, the prayer that I love to pray is, Lord, anytime, like with my family, with friends, with new environments, at work, with people that we meet, the prayer of, Lord, would you give me eyes to see them the way that you do? Mm. Because that changes the way I interact with people. When I can see a glimpse of how the Lord sees them, because I know he sees me as his daughter, his beloved. And so why would I think that he would see anyone else differently? And so then how do I interact and how do I treat? How do I encourage? How do I love people with that in my mind? Mm, that reminds me of a, of a sign that Grandma Mary used to have above her desk in her office. Totally. An amazing and- another amazing person in real estate, (laughs) but she's taught us a lot. And so have many of her family members. And the quote said, not that I would be understood, but that I would understand Mm -hmm. you embody that really well. And it, and it goes along really great with what you just said. Help me Lord, see them the way that you see them. That's amazing. That's all I have to say for that. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good. Hey, babe, what what should Mm. women be looking for? If if they're single, they're praying for a husband, Mm. what should women be looking for in a man? Mm. Speak it. Like, think of our own daughters in a few years. My goodness. Wow. Yeah, Totally. I have some notes on this one and thoughts. I mean, all joking aside, I mean, I'd be like super cute, really attractive. That's what you are. But yes, joking aside, and that's important too, but like someone top of my list and what I would say, seeking someone who loves Jesus and the just loves the Lord with all their heart and in that like seeks to submit their whole life and do what he says somebody who loves jesus and obeys him not just hearers of the word but doers of the word and when you watch someone and you know this is how my second point too is like watch how they treat others Mm. watch how they interact with other women in their lives, other girls in their lives. Do they speak encouragement? Are they honoring? How do they treat their parents? Like, how do they treat their family? How do they interact with their friends? That will tell you a lot about how that person is going to interact with you and honor and respect you as well. Um, And do they, I think last one, do they honor and serve? Like, Mm -hmm. Do they humbly serve? Do they love Jesus with all their heart and want to obey him and want to know him and treat others with honor and respect and just serve? Mm -hmm. That's really good. So you are more than anyone else I've ever met in my life, like the Proverbs 31 woman. And those are big shoes to fill. Oh, you're kicking butt (laughs) in business. You're kicking butt with being a mom, uh, and, and just being an amazing wife and being a leader in our community, babe, if someone, um, well, if there was another woman out there who wanted to grab you for a cup of coffee, what are your thoughts? I love that. I love connecting. I love sharing because it's not me it's because of his goodness and his glory that i can share any of this mm-hmm. and that my life looks the way that it does thank you jesus yeah. like, it's a joy and an honor to share and encourage um the good and the struggle yeah. that you walk through and to just have more relationships so yes short answer absolutely yeah so yeah. And you know, any guys out there, you want to reach out to me, let's do it. I'll happily get a cup of coffee with you. But if there are any women out there who want some encouragement, want some insights, right. just want some community, want to talk to a sister, yeah. feel free to find Forging the Path on social media. Uh, reach out to us and, you know, we're, we're happy to make that happen. Make you a French press and you can help me fold my laundry. 
<laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, Claire, let's do this. Will you say a simple prayer over uh, wives and mothers who might be listening to this podcast? Absolutely. And that'll be our outro. For sure. Lord, you are good and you see everything that your daughters, these wives and mothers are walking through and going through. And I pray that you would captivate their hearts, that you would imprint on them your goodness and who you have created them to be and out of that place that they would be able to love and serve and and just bless their families pray more of your spirit in their lives and that you would be present because you love them thank you lord amen